0: Welcome to Marriage Day Podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans. This is my wife, Karen. We're so glad that you're joining us. We're talking today about dominance, disarming, destructive dominance. The, the bigger subject is intimacy and how, how to enjoy intimacy in marriage. But for, you know, to enjoy intimacy in marriage, Karen, you have to deal with dominance. Mm-hmm. And you were very dominant early in our marriage. I know. And you dominated. I controlled
1: you <laughs> and beat you down. And
0: <laughs> no, I was the dominant one early in our marriage. Now, she's the dominant one today. And I'm oh, my su- gosh. I'm suffering. But... Anyway, Someone we're going to be save me. we're going to be talking about that in the teaching. So let me read. This is a question from one of our listeners, Karen. To you, I am more confrontational, but my husband sometimes resents it. How do I convince him I don't want to be the bad guy? She's more confrontational. Yeah, I'm Her just hus- sitting here
1: thinking about that question. Um, I think it's a great question. I think that a lot of couples, this is the way it is. Um, Probably, I'm wondering what she means by confrontational. Is she accusing? Is it?
0: Well, I think that's the issue.
1: Yeah. And so I would just back off on how you uh, ask questions and how you communicate you know, come into it like you would your best friend. What if your girlfriend was sitting in the room? Yeah. And you're talking to your girlfriend. Would you talk to her that way. And, you know, and so I would just maybe take a step back and consider maybe the way you are talking is not a good way and um, and just pretend like, you know, you're talking to one of your best friends on the phone. or sure. And, you know, women have a tendency to talk and to spill their guts and to say everything, you know? No. In some, <laughs> in some men, <laughs> it's harder, you know? And so if she's more dominant in the relationship and he's not, it's, it's flooding him with words he doesn't know what to do with. Exactly. And so I would just say, you know, be careful how you're speaking to him. Right. You know, present yourself as a friend and not, you know, like you're trying to get something done and because um, you are, you're in this marriage together as one and you're trying to build unity and peace between each other.
0: Yeah, you, When you're confronting, you, you can complain but mm-hmm. you can't criticize. Yeah. You. And uh, co- criticize, criticizing is being negative and accusatory. Mm-hmm. You're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Or and, not
1: doing, or not doing. And,
0: and the key word there is you. Mm-hmm. Complaining is, honey, can I tell you how I feel? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not accusing you of anything. And I'm not telling you that you did something wrong. Can I tell you how I feel? You did this and this and this, and this is how I feel. Can we talk about that? Mm-hmm. And what happens then, you said it right, Karen, he feels flooded with words. Men are extremely sensitive in our egos. Uh, when you begin to accuse my character, mm-hmm. uh, I become very defensive and very and very upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, women Women can think when they're upset, men can't. It, we have a lot harder time processing our emotions when we're upset. And there's, by the way, a study that was done on this that when a man's heart rate goes above a hundred, he can't hear. Mm-hmm. And so if our heart rate goes up and we become upset, so keeping him calm in the process, but the way you do that is by confronting, mm-hmm. uh, complaining rather than criticizing, okay? So, uh, Then I have a question you have a for question? you. Mm-hmm.
1: My wife manipulates me by threatening separation or divor- divorce whenever she doesn't get her way. What can I do?
0: Well, counseling, going to kind of, this is kind of a mantra, but you need to go get help. When you use the divorce word, you've invited the devil into your home. Mm-hmm. You, you can't use that word. You, the, the, till death do us part. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so whenever she, whenever she begins to talk about divorce, mm-hmm. what she's saying is, I'm not bought in. Mm-hmm. I'm not committed here. Mm -hmm. well what's he supposed to do okay it's it's manipulation and and basically what you're saying is i've got the nuclear option here and if i don't get my way i'm leaving
1: yeah it's all his fault and she didn't do anything wrong yeah
0: and so you can't you can't Mm -hmm. function in the atmosphere the way that you deal with an issue is by saying i love you Mm -hmm. i'm totally committed to our marriage let's work through this Mm -hmm. but rather than doing that she's using manipulation and threats this is a form of domination Mm -hmm. okay manipulation and threats to try to get her way with him and mm-hmm. it's and it's not right right okay, so we're going to go to this teaching now on dominance um uh if you uh have a question that you would like to ask karen or me you can go on marriage today and we'd love to hear your question karen and i'd love to have an opportunity to answer it here on the podcast and right now for all you dominant people out there <laughs> you need to hear this and if you're being dominated you need to hear this we're going to the teaching right now When the roles of marriage are explained in Ephesians 5, it begins in verse 21 by saying, submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And then it tells women how to submit, and then it tells men how to submit. Karen and I never discuss who the boss of our marriage is, because the boss of our marriage is Jesus Christ. But when we began in marriage, I dominated Karen. I had a very dominant personality, and because of that, we had no intimacy. We had a horrible marriage. Uh, we had uh, everything I'm going to describe here was Karen and me early in our marriage. but we we learned to overcome it. We learned to disarm it. And now we have a wonderful marriage where we share everything together. let me Let me give you a definition of dominance when I talk about this. It means disproportionate control of the relationship and those elements common to the relationship, like children, like money, those types of things. It means someone someone has more stock than the other person. If there's a company and you both have 50% of the stock, and that's a good marriage. In a, in a dominant marriage, someone has more stock. In fact, sometimes someone has all the stock. And 100% of the decisions are made by one person. If you can picture a dollhouse... Uh, and you crank the lid back on a dollhouse, and you're looking down into a dollhouse. A, a, a good family, you know, a, a functional family. What you'll see is you'll see two big rooms in this house, and the, and that's mom and dad. Mom and dad have the same size rooms. And then when children are born, they really don't have a room. They don't really get to say anything related to the family. As they get older, we may talk to them about where we go on vacation or where we go out to eat tonight or something like that. And then the older a child gets, we're, we're trying to help them to grow up as a responsible adult. So we give them a little bit more voice in the family. So they have a room. And, you know, they get 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Their room grows. It never gets nearly as big as our room. But then when they're 18, we kick them out of the house because they get real opinionated. <laughs> and so, we, you know, we, we want them to leave at that point. You know what I'm talking about. So, but, but that's a healthy child. A healthy child ha- gets a voice in the family. Uh, the older they get, they get a voice never to rival our room. And mom and dad's room are always the same size. When you look into a dysfunctional family, what you'll see is a big room. A room that's bigger than everybody else's, okay? Now, dominance is gender neutral. There is as many dominant men as are women, okay? About half and half. So it's, it's not a male thing. It's not a female thing. It's just a human thing. So you look down in this house and there's a big room and the other spouse has a smaller room and, and the kids have small rooms. Now, in a really dysfunctional family, the kids have the biggest rooms. And there are families where the kids run the family. Okay, and that's the worst that you can possibly have. But, but in marriage, when we talk about dominance, there are three basic ways that dominance is exercised. It's manipulation, intimidation, or domination. Now, I dominated Karen, somewhat intimidated her because I was verbally abusive. Manipulation, intimidation, domination. Here, here's how it manifests uh, when people are being dominant. Guilt, shame, Uh, punishment for resistance or challenge. I'm going to punish you if you don't do what I want. Threats of divorce, affairs, self-harm, force of personality, controlling spirit, refusal to receive input, nagging, abuse, those types of things. And so control is what we're talking about. Control is exhibited in, in different forms. There are three basic types of dominance, and that is there's global dominance and that is one person controls everything. There's selective dominance where a spouse might not control everything, but they control the money. They control the children. They control the home or, or whatever like that. Uh, and then there's seasonal dominance. There might be times under stress or times when you're fighting in the marriage that you know you take control of something that you wouldn't normally uh, be in control of. Now, let me show you this. This is interesting. I've done this all over the world to many thousands of people. I'm gonna ask you two questions. And I want, you, I want you to respond by raising your hand if, if you agree with what I'm saying. And, but I want you to look around. I want you to look around at the group and I want you to see the number of hands that go up. How many of you were raised in a home where one of your parents was clearly dominant over the other parent? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands up. This happens all over the world. Look around, look around. Look at all the hands that are up. Okay, I've got my hand up. Okay, because one of my parents was. Okay, put your hand down. How many of you believe the ones that raised your hands, how many of you believe that that dominance had a negative effect on your parents' marriage and the family in general? Raise your hands. Look around. Every hand went back up that I can see. Every hand. All over the world, 70%. It's about 70% of any group, when you ask them that question, 70% of the hands immediately go up. People don't have to say, oh, let me think about that. You know, I mean, you know, you know that you know that one of your parents dominated the others. Now, one day maybe your children will be in one of my seminars. I'm going to ask them that question. <laughs> what would they say? Okay. I want to go back and I want to say it just doesn't work. God didn't create us that way. It wasn't the original design for marriage. In fact, when Adam and Eve fell, that's when dysfunction and control came into the human race and God cursed Eve and said, you're going to try to control your husband but he will dominate you. There's going to be a fight for dominance and thank God that that curse can be removed in Jesus Christ. That we can remove that curse from our relationships. It's all over the world. It's all, it's all over the world in marriages but here's the dangerous dynamic of, of dominance. First of all, it always creates damage. It always creates damage. It never works. If it worked, it'd be great. It just doesn't work. It certainly didn't work for Karen and me. In 1998, uh, John Gottman, University of Washington, released a study. He had 130 uh, 30 newly married couples that he studied for six years. He took this 130 couples, studied them intensely for six years. They taught them active listening. Active listening is someone says something to you and you say, here's what I heard you say. Okay. And they practiced active listening for six years. At the same time he was studying that group, he had another group that he had been watching for 13 years. And they had not been taught active listening, but he was studying this other group for 13 years. At the end of the study with 130 couples and the other couples that he had been tracking, he came to the conclusion that active listening doesn't work. It didn't help at all. But what they found after studying all these couples for all those years is the common element of success in all the couples that had good marriages was shared control of the relationship. Here's the way they put it, receiving influence from each other to the degree that you are willing to receive influence from From your spouse, both of you are, is to the degree that you will have a marriage free of dominance because dominance always creates uh, destruction. It always creates damage. And so the the consequences of dominance, first of all, is emotional distance. You're just not going to be close because dominance makes a man feel disrespected and a woman feel insecure. So when a man's being dominated, it emasculates him. When a woman is feeling dominated, she's feeling completely insecure, like she's not a partner in the relationship, she doesn't have any stock in the relationship. So it's always gonna create emotional distance and it always, it always communicates disrespect. You never uh, respect a person you control. The number one best homes, according to research, are male-led homes where the husband treats the wife as an equal, but he initiates the well-being of the home. See, one of a woman's deepest needs is leadership, not dominance. Women want their husband to initiate the well-being of the children, the discipline, the spirituality of the home, the finances of the home, and the romance of the home. Women want their husband to be the loving initiator of the home with them being an equal. That's what makes women feel most secure and most well taken care of. And when children grow up in a home where they have a father who is a loving leader of the home, treating his wife as an equal, the children are most emotionally healthy and they have ascendancy. They understand what leadership looks like. They understand what it's like for someone to take the initiative. Okay, so if you don't have a male at home, the next best is an equalitarian home. But other than that, when you have a male-dominated or a female-dominated home, you're going to have dysfunction within that. So let me, let me explain something to you. You always marry according to your level of emotional health. Health marries health. Unhealth marries unhealth. There's always a balance to it. When Karen and I met... Um, I never had an insecure day in my life. I was the class clown. I was, you know, popular. I was confident. I just I, I I was I had too much ego, way too much ego. I thought I was God. I've never met a person with as low self-esteem as Karen when we got married. Ever. Karen was beautiful, thought she was ugly, thought God hated her. She she had self-hate. I mean, literally, Karen was beautiful. I have a huge family. And I would take Karen, when when we went into public, Karen stood behind me. And I would pull her out from behind me and introduce her like to a family member. And as soon as I finished introducing her, she was back behind me. It was like she was on a spring loaded thing or something. You know, it's just like (laughs) she just kept going behind me because she had such terrible self esteem. We were the perfect match. I thought I was God, she thought she was the devil. It didn't work. It never works. This is the way God designed marriage to work. In fact, this is the way God designed <laughs> marriage to work. For the man to be just a little bit more assertive than the woman, but to treat her as an equal. This is the perfect marriage. This might work a little bit, with a woman a little bit more assertive. but it, It's not good for the male ego, but in this range right here it's good. The further you get away from this, the worse it becomes. And sometimes, see, like with Karen and me, what see, I, could have never, I could have never married a confident woman because I was, I was too sick emotionally. I was unhealthy emotionally. I had a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear inside of me, but I masked it by being confident. And I didn't know that. I, ha- I didn't understand that until uh, you know, I received Christ and the Holy Spirit began to do surgery on my heart and all these things began to be exposed. But when Karen and I got married you know, it just simply didn't work. It was dysfunctional. But I was attracted to her because she accommodated me emotionally, and she was attracted to me because I accommodated her emotionally. She needed a man with the self-confidence that she didn't have, and I needed a woman that would accommodate my, my ego. So we were a match. Okay? Women, a very assertive woman, always marries a very passive man. Two dominant people can't marry each other because there would be a murderer quickly. <laughs> Okay. You know, two very passive people can't marry because they would starve to death because they can't decide where to eat lunch. And so, you know, you, you always marry to your level of emotional health. Health marries health. Unhealth marries unhealth. So Karen and I, see, we're, God put us together. You might say, Jimmy, that doesn't sound like God put you together. God put us together as broken people, but God put us together as healed people. Isn't it beautiful that God can do that? So when I'm using my hands here you're somewhere on this scale. I don't know where you are. okay? But I'm going to tell you if you're not in this range you have problems. There's, there's disrespect, there's lost intimacy, and one of the things when we first got married she, she would get so frustrated and she would say you know you can just talk all the time and I can't talk as fast as you. And see typically in most marriages there's a fast talker and a slow talker. And there's a person who's never lost for words, and there's another person. Two days later, goes, "I wish I'd have said," you know. And so, in, in our relationship, I'm never lost for words. Karen, you know, two days later will say, we "So, we, my strong personality just was overbearing within the relationship, and we would get into an argument. I was a prosecuting attorney, and I could make my case extremely well, and you know, so." Karen was so frustrated in our relationship because of the strength of my personality that was not submitted to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk about this more in just a minute. But some of you, some of you ladies have a strong leader personality, and your husbands don't. Some of you ladies are fast talkers. <laughs> now all ladies are talkers. I can tell you that right now. So, but some of you are fast talkers. And some of the husbands are slow talkers or don't talk as much and so you have a naturally dominant personality That you have to learn to deal with so let me talk just a minute about what to do if you're being dominated and what to do If you're dominant, okay, so having said everything that I've just said if you're if you're being dominated You just have to you have to be honest with your own issues. Karen is an example of this is that you have to be honest and just say, I'm being dominated. okay? And don't deny it. Don't sugarcoat it. I'm being dominated. The second thing you have to do is just stand up. It's like a teeter-totter. You know, When you're on a teeter-totter with someone, what you do directly affects them. You, when you change, your marriage changes. You're not a victim. You don't have to wait for your spouse to change. When you change, the equ- equilibrium of the relationship changes. So here's what Karen did. So we, ha- we have this teeter-totter, and here we were. As Karen began to get healed, uh, Psalm 107.20 says, God sent His Word to heal them and to deliver them from their destructions. Okay. Well, every morning Karen would wake up from the day we got married. Karen has never not read the Bible in our entire married lives. Even when she didn't believe it. Even when she hated herself and thought she couldn't be saved. Every day she read the Bible. The Bible healed Karen. I didn't. The Bible did. God's Word healed my wife. And as Karen began to get healed, one of the manifestations of her emotional health improving was she began to stand up to me. Lovingly. She just began to stand up. Well again, the equilibrium changes. When you change, everything changes. So Karen began to force me to be more humble in accommodating of her by doing this, and my response was, you get out of the house. The night that she stood up to me, I told you, you get out of the house. And that was the old chauvinist, dominant Jimmy that died that night, thank God. She began to stand up to me. When she did it, forced the issue. And and she did it lovingly. She did it righteously, but she did it. You can insist on respect, and you can insist on having a voice. And let me say, some people are dominated because they're emotionally lazy. And you're being dominated, but you don't have to think. Someone's doing all your thinking for you and you've got to, but you're miserable you have to make up your mind. I'm not going to be emotionally lazy anymore. I'm going to pay the price to be heard and be respected. I'm going to do it righteously, but I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm not going to accommodate the dominance of my spouse. If you're the dominant person, you got to sit down. You got to humble yourself and you've got to accommodate your spouse. Now listen to me. I will not make a decision without Karen Evans period every significant decision we make we make together a thousand times she says to me you Jimmy you just make the decision I'm fine a thousand times I say no no if and I never pressure her I never nag at her she never pays a price and what I say to her the unity in our marriage is more important than any decision we're making and wherever we go we're going together And if it takes you an extra day, an extra week, an extra year, I'm waiting until you're ready. You pray, you get all the information you need, we'll talk until you're ready because we're a team and everything we do, we do together. Under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what that creates in our marriage is intimacy. And as a dominant man, I'm naturally dominant with a strong personality. As a dominant man, what I have to do is sit down. Sit down. So How did our marriage get healed? Karen stood up and I sat down. Karen began to assert herself. She began to stop accommodating my ego, which was wrong and sinful. She just began to lovingly insist on respect and insist on having a voice. I sat down. And now we're here. Karen dominates me. (laughs) No, no, honestly, what I say to Karen is, you're too healed. I'm asking Jesus to take away some of your healing. Because that sister is a lioness of God. She's, she. I'm telling you. So, but, but I guarantee you one thing. We have an equal marriage. Hey, this is Brent Evans with EXO Marriage. And I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out xomarriage.com, where you can see all of our marriage-building resources, articles, and live events.